Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Dear Media IRL is back, and we're showing up bigger, better, and louder than ever. Join us on May 4th in Austin, Texas, for the ultimate live podcasting experience. Watch and learn from your favorite Dear Media hosts as they bring their insightful discussions from your headphones to the stage. Get ready to be inspired, entertained, and watch audio get a makeover. Tickets are on sale now at dearmedia.com slash IRL. See you on May 4th in Austin. In Texas. Hi there, Gabby here. This podcast is intended to educate, inspire, and support you on your personal journey towards inner peace. I'm not a psychologist or a medical doctor and do not offer any professional health or medical advice. If you are suffering from a psychological or medical condition, please seek help from a qualified health professional. If you're a regular listener of this show, you know that for the most part, I'm pretty chill. And believe it or not, that's true even when it comes to my parenting style. I'm that mom who can stay calm even during a four-year-old meltdown. Seriously. And I know that's kind of a brag, but it's something that I'm proud of. And you might be wondering, okay, Gabby, really? How do you stay calm when your kid's freaking melting down? Well, well, number one, I know I can trust the universe when the shit hits the fan. That's period. And number two, I lean heavily on my meditation practice. I've been meditating daily for 17 and a half years. Yep, that's right. I've never skipped a day of meditation. I just haven't. And it is this practice that has helped me navigate the most stressful situations in my life. And it's also given me the ability to really lower my anxiety level. So whether you already have a meditation practice or if you've never tried it before, I want to help you cultivate that same sense of inner peace. And it comes with practice and it comes with commitment. And that's why I'm giving you my most impactful guided meditation for anxiety relief. And it's totally free. It's yours. It's a gift from me. People, it's free. So take advantage of this today. This also happens to be one of my favorite meditations, so I'm really excited to share it with you. You can download my free meditation for anxiety relief at deargabby.com anxiety. I promise you that this practice is going to really help you begin your journey toward profound inner peace. It will give you a tool for self-soothing in moments of anxiety and stress. And I just want you to use it so that you can really create that beneficial inner state of peace that can be very sustainable when you practice and you show up and you give yourself that permission to turn inward. That's deargabby.com slash anxiety. Yeah. 
Daddy. Hey there, welcome to Dear Gabby. I'm your host, Gabby Bernstein. And if you landed here, it is absolutely no accident. It means that you're ready to feel good and manifest a life beyond your wildest dreams. Let's get started. Welcome back, my friends. Welcome back to Dear Gabby. One of the things that I love most about doing this show is that I get this opportunity to connect with some of the most amazing people, my colleagues, my friends, and oftentimes my heroes, people that have literally changed my life. And some of the people that have been the greatest heroes on this show are the therapists. And that's why I wanted to really pull together some of the leading therapists that I've interviewed who have spoken on the topic of trauma. We all have trauma. We've talked about this in my book, Happy Days. It's been a big topic on the show. Some of us had that big T trauma from our childhood where we've experienced abuse or we lived through a catastrophic event. And then we all have experiences of small T trauma, being bullied, being told we're not good enough. And all of those moments have affected our lives. And that's why this episode is so valuable because the effects of trauma run deep. They are painful. They actually, in many ways, create the human that we are today. But we can undo those stories from our past and become free in the present. And all of my guests today on the show are offering us guidance on how to undo the traumas of our past. As my dear friend and guest on today's show, Dr. Dan Siegel says, the journey is not an easy one, but it's worth it. On the show today, I have gorgeous messages on healing trauma from therapists, Nicole LaPerla, Dan Siegel, Dick Schwartz, Gabor Mate, Dr. Shafali. These are my heroes. Enjoy the show. My first guest is the incredible Dr. Shafali. And people, this woman does not mince words. She's a real straight shooter. She gets right to the point. And we cannot begin this journey of inner work if we are not honest with ourselves. On this show, sometimes a lot of what I do is mainly coaching and workshopping, dear gabbing people. And sometimes I'm this bossy BIT, you know what, comes out and I can be that way, but it's because of this fierceness and this desire for people to grow fast and to step in. You don't want to push somebody too quickly into that change. And especially if they're unwilling, but the willing person listening, because they wouldn't still be listening if they weren't, what is a bold approach to move into that grace and that change that they can take to really go forward in their awakening bravely, but not too quickly because you don't want to uncover too much too fast? You can't, even if you want to uncover too quickly, too fast and get to that utopic place at the end of the rainbow, it simply won't happen, right? right? Because everyone goes, okay, okay, I'm awake now. I'm awake. What's next? Right? Okay. I'm a conscious parent. Now what's next? It, it, it doesn't work intellectually. It's not a concept. It's not an idea. It will only occur through an expansion of consciousness. So even when people ask, but, but how will I do it when I leave that job? How will I know what to do next? I go, that's not a question to be answered right now, right? So we mm. can only start where we are right now with the consciousness mm. we have. And the consciousness will not expand until we do that work. So intellectually, we can think we've gotten it or desire it. or And therefore, if it's on the vision board, we are ready to actualize it. But it simply won't work. We will regress very quickly. And that's why people regress. 
because the, the brutal nature of this business called inner work is that if you're not honest about it, and if you're not going to take a full accountability, it will not work. So, the, but that's okay. And regression is part of healing yep. and, and regression is good because you get to see, damn, my ego is stubborn. It mm-hmm. doesn't want to leave me. It loves me like the best lover I've ever known. It just doesn't leave. It's adhered to me like, like sticky glue. So once we can see that this ego, this false persona that we've developed from a conditioned childhood of fear is a formidable ally and foe we will not be able to befriend it. The ego is not here to be vilified. The ego developed in us to protect us against the ravages of the unconsciousness we received in our early years. So it Mm. is a beautiful attempt to receive love and worth, but it is a primitive attempt to receive love and worth. So it's here to protect. So regression means that the ego roars back because the ego is not believing us that we're healed because we haven't healed. Whenever we fall back, it's a sign that, okay, there's more work to be done. This pattern is really rigidified and we don't have to shame ourselves or want to be faster than our neighbor because there's no comparison here. There's no competition and there's no perfect destination called consciousness. I love that you're talking about befriending the ego because I've become a student of internal family systems of Dick Schwartz IFS therapy. And I've also practiced it for eight years in my own practice with my therapist. And what I love most about the principles of IFS is very much what you're saying, which is the protector parts, the ego must be befriended. It's not about shaming them or blaming them, but it's about befriending them so that they can get out of their extreme roles. And so when we can look at our ego in those moments where we regress and say, okay, thank you for revealing to me that there's more to heal. That's such a profound way to put on your big girl pants and keep going and show up more. I really want to echo the fact that I hear this through line that the journey isn't easy, but it's worth it. And I'm living to tell that I know you are too. And so here we are, we're kind of like cheerleaders for personal growth and spiritual practice. I mean, I don't think there's anything else, right? I mean, what else else is there? Everything else is just a reflection of that. It's just an outgrowth of that. So if that is not aligned and in synchrony with your most authentic self, then everything else will be a split or schism reflecting that inner schism. So, you know, once we embrace that life is about just pointing back, to how we need to become more whole, then we, when we have that lens, we're like, oh, okay, more work to be done. There's always more work to be done. I mean, they'll never finish because our quest for wholeness is always going to be aspirational. There is no perfect, you know, if child number three comes along and we were great and conscious with child number one and two, child number three is going to evoke and undo some old stuff that you had no awareness was still lying buried. It's not about being upset with ourselves, as you said, or shaming ourselves. It's just understanding that the process, the journey, as you said, is the growth. It is the growth. There is no outcome that's the growth. The process is the growth. Next, we hear from Nicola Perla. You might know her as the holistic psychologist. She shares with us her really profound insight into the origins of our shame and how we can observe it and begin to understand it. Let's talk a little bit about the origins of shame because so we're talking about a shame response. 
and then building up all these different ways of numbing that initial response. But the shame is actually important for us as children because it creates the need to be bonded to the parent. If, if you know, if the parent walks away, the shame response is to go run after the parent. But to your point, if that shame is intended to, if that response isn't cared for with the co-regulating parent, then we're going to, we're going to find all these other ways to protect ourselves from feeling that shame. In the moment now, let's say you are just for the first time listening and you're like, oh, wow, shame may be what's behind my addiction. What's a first step into getting into the, safely getting into the inquiry and the curiosity behind the shame? Yeah. So to go back and to speak to your point, we need those relationships because we're so dependent. We need to stay bond it to the best of our ability so that someone cares enough, quote unquote, loves us enough to continue right, to meet our needs. We all have this us-ness inside of us, right? These desires, these ideas, you see it very clear in most children. They'll say what's on their mind. They'll dance around. They'll express themselves. And when we didn't have a safe environment or an attuned caregiver who could hold that space for that self-expression, the reason why mom or dad or whomever the caregiver was might've left the room might've been based on something we were doing. We, we might be crying. We might you know, be looking for support in some way. And if we don't have a caregiver that's equipped enough in navigating their own emotions, they might take leave for whatever reason. Where shame comes into play Because developmentally, we don't have the maturity to understand all the different reasons why mom or dad or caregiver, whomever might not be able to tolerate us in our state of need right now. And because all of our brains, even from infancy on, seek to make meaning as, again, as a drive for survival, the quicker we can understand an event that's happening to us, the quicker we can deal with it if we need Mm. to. So we all have these little meaning-making brains and again, lacking the developmental maturity to understand that you know maybe mom or dad didn't have an emotionally attuned parent. So when we cry, they're completely overwhelmed with how they feel about it. So they take leave to create safety for themselves. The only, one of the only narratives that our developmentally immature brain can assign is something that's based in us. It's because of something we're doing or not doing. And the more consistently that happens, so say it is around sadness, you come and you express sadness to your parent. And again, they continue to to divert their attention away or to not be available to help you process your sadness. Before long, that part of you isn't going to feel safe to continue to express because parent caregiver left every time you do that. So now you feel like, okay, this is a part of me that's not desirable. It's shameful. This is a part of me that I can't continue to show the world because the impact on the world is someone leaves me. I get abandoned when I'm in this state of being. So then we internalize this belief. And for some of us, we throw a lot in this grab bag of parts of me, parts in terms of parts work included, that aren't acceptable, that are shameful. And then we continue again to repress. So as we're going, you know, as on the healing journey, we have to understand that that's part of ourselves still. Even if we Mm -hmm. stopped expressing this sadness or this way of being, this artistic expression, maybe even just stop sharing our ideas, doesn't mean that that energy, go back and right, going back to that charge, doesn't mean that that essence, that part of ourself is gone. It's still there. So Mm -hmm. becoming aware, becoming a conscious witness, as I often talk about, of these aspects of ourself, of our repression, of the places of our life that we're shameful about. And the way that we can begin to observe is 
in real time? You know, do you see yourself speaking your thoughts freely? Do you see yourself comfortable and safe to share your emotions? Do you see yourself able to connect with and express your desires or your wants? Or are there certain or all of your relationships where it just doesn't feel safe or you don't feel worthy enough to have that space or to be heard or to be seen in that way? And then that becomes that that point of exploration. And for a lot of us, understanding, even even hearing maybe a talk like this, understanding that the reason we might feel shameful isn't connected to something that we are lacking or that we express, you know, very readily. It's connected to these earliest environments and experiences. So it's not that we are unworthy. We definitely have a deep rooted belief. And now all of these behaviors to protect us from feeling unworthy, though we're not unworthy. And for a lot of us that allows us to work with our shame, which really just simply means observe it, understand it. And then over time, that gifts us with the opportunity to make a new choice, maybe to just show a little more of yourself in this safe container or in this safe relationship. Yes, it is true. I love to pamper myself a little bit, people. Yes, I do. But mostly because I want to take care of myself and I want to feel good. And my body is my temple. And that is why I'm obsessed with the brand Bond Charge. Bond Charge is a holistic wellness brand with a huge range of evidence-based products to optimize your life in every way. Founded on science and inspired by nature, all Bond Charge products adopt ancestral ways of living in our modern day world. Their extensive range of premium wellness products help you sleep better, perform better, have more energy, recover faster, balance hormones, reduce inflammation. The list just goes on and on and on. And from blue light glasses to infrared saunas to red light therapy to EMF management and circadian friendly lighting, Bond Charge products help you naturally address the issues of your modern day way of life effortlessly with maximum impact. So personally, I love Bond Charge's red light face mask. It's one of my favorites. I also use their red light panels and I'll sit down and I'll meditate with the red light. And what I find is that when I meditate with red light, not only am I producing collagen in my skin and reducing inflammation, but I'm also deepening my meditation practice, which is just radical. It's something that has become a ritual for me. I literally use it every single day for 10 to 20 minutes. Go to bondcharge.com slash Gabby and use coupon code Gabby to save 15%. That's B-O-N-C-H-A-R-G-E.com slash Gabby and use coupon code Gabby to save 15%. My friends, we have been talking a lot about self-care and I just want you to know that it is my mission to stay on top of my health, to care for my body, and to know what's going on. And that's why I am thrilled that our sponsor today is ZocDoc, an online resource where you can choose literally from thousands of top-tier doctors, all with verified patient reviews from actual patients, so you can trust that you are getting the best. ZocDoc is a free app and website where you can search and compare highly rated in-network doctors near you and instantly book appointments with them online. Who does not want that? Really good vetted doctors that you can book with right away. And then once you find the doctor that you want, you can book it just immediately. That immediate gratification is so necessary here. No more waiting on hold, no more calling around, no more trying to deal with annoying communication. You can just book an appointment stress-free. And with ZocDoc, you'll find the right doctors for you, one that makes you feel comfortable, someone that will listen and prioritize your health. 
ZocDoc has a huge list of top-rated physicians. They take your insurance, they're located nearby, and someone that might treat a specific condition that you're searching for. And get this, the typical wait time to see a doctor booked on ZocDoc is between 24 to 72 hours. Isn't that amazing? Go to ZocDoc.com Gabby and download the ZocDoc app for free. Then find and book a top-rated doctor today. That's Z-O-C-D-O-C dot Gabby. ZocDoc.com Gabby. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Let me just ask you a question. What's the first thing you would do if you have an extra hour of your day? Would you go for a run? Would you take a nap? Read a book? Watch some of the shows that you have on cue? The best way to squeeze that special, important thing into your schedule, my friends, is knowing exactly what is important to you and making that a priority. And therapy can help you find what matters to you. So you can simply do more of what you want. Therapy is great for helping you focus, and it's truly important to identify areas for growth. It will support you in so many ways, and I just can't even begin to tell you how much therapy is meant to me. I talk about the two times a week that I have therapy, and it has been a staple in my life, and I would not be where I am today without it. And that's why I'm so thrilled that BetterHelp is a sponsor on this show. I'm a huge proponent for therapy, and I want everybody to just open their hearts to what it could be like to get the support that you need. BetterHelp will quickly and easily connect you with a licensed therapist, and you will be on your way before you know it. All you have to do is get started with a brief questionnaire, and BetterHelp will match you with a licensed therapist. With BetterHelp Therapy, it's convenient, it's flexible, it's affordable, and it's entirely online. And you have the option to just do your sessions on the phone or do a video call. You can just fit it into your schedule. Make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Dear Gabby today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Dear Gabby. My next guest is Dr. Dan Siegel, a leading psychiatrist and co-founder of the Mindful Awareness Research Center. Dan, gently and with grace, shares how our experience with our caretakers as children have a powerful impact on how we function as adults. I'm a developmental attachment trained person. So what it is basically is patterns of communicating in the first years of life can be studied and are studied. And then they determine the way a child at one year of age will interact with a parent in a separation paradigm which then involves a reunion. And so then we see certain patterns of attachment. Basically, it's the way the baby has learned to deal with this particular parent in their relationship. So we never say that the attachment category is the child's. We say it's the relationships. Yes. Right? So this is a really important first point. Beautiful. The second point is that, you know, that pattern with your primary caregiver tends to stay unless there are relationship changes. And then influences the way the child is in school and in camp and stuff like that. The third point is that the best predictor of the pattern of attachment that the child will have to you turns out to be not so much what happened to you, but how you've made sense of what happened to you, which is incredibly liberating because people hear about attachment and they go, why should I bother to learn about that? Because Whatever happened to me, I can't change that, mm -hmm. which of course is true. So why do I want to know about it? Because what happened to me was horrible. Well, the reason you want to know about it is because while you can't change what happened to you, you can change how you make sense of number one, what happened to you, 
Number two, how you adapted to what happened to you. And number three, how those things have affected your development as an adult. And that's how you liberate yourself by the making sense process. So when I heard about that in 1985, it blew my mind wide open. And I said, oh my gosh, I need to learn what that's all about. I was really interested in the brain and attachment, which the attachment researchers for the most part were not. So I was like a, you know, a, maybe a little bit of irritant to them, but ultimately, you know, we all got along to figure out how is this individual called the baby adapting to, in one case, secure attachment, which is about 65% of the population, what's called insecure, but I don't like that term. So I use the word non-secure avoidant attachment, about 20% of the population where there's emotional distance. Mm -hmm. Then about 10 to 15% are non-secure ambivalent attachment where there's intrusiveness and inconsistency. And then later there, they would develop a fourth category, which overlaps with the other three actually. Uh, but in the research, it's, it, it has a big effect and that's called disorganized attachment. When we're, we have experiences being terrified of our caregiver, and that can be anywhere from depending on the study five to even 30% of the non-clinical population. So that's, an overarching thing of the four categories of attachment in our field, yep. developmental yep. attachment. And then what we do is we follow these babies into their primary school years, their adolescence, their young adulthood, their maturity, and can say that if you had security, if you had non-secure avoidant, non-secure ambivalent, or non-secure disorganized, we can predict certain general patterns over hundreds and hundreds of people. And in the AAI, the adult attachment review, we now have over 20,000 subjects that have been studied. And we can predict that the way you've made sense of your life as a parent yeah. is the best predictor of what your child will have as an attachment to you. The way that you've made sense of yourself as a parent from your attachment experience as a child, mm -hmm. right, is a predictor of how your child will attach to you. The best predictor. I mean, you're talking 85% predictability, huge percentage. What about those of us, myself, who definitely had non-secure attachment in different forms, probably more than one, and has done a boatload of beautiful personal growth and awareness and spiritual practice and is now very consciously using methods like yours and detuning and leading from self. Please tell me that I won't be bringing up my child the same way. My so parents. Gabrielle, that you are the poster child of what we mean by making sense. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I remember this moment of we were having a dinner at the research training program in Virginia. To my left was Mary Main, first who created the adult attachment review. To my right was Mary Ainsworth, the co-creator with John Bowlby of the entire field of attachment research. Yeah. And it was a very noisy restaurant. And I was between the two Marys. So for three hours, the two of them turned to me and the three of us had this deep, incredibly powerful, inspiring conversation. I was just new to the whole field. And so what Mary Ainsworth had discovered, which many people have found since, was that you can literally in this research instrument, you can show someone had reports the most horrible kind of child you can imagine, but they've made sense of it. And like you're saying, you, the making sense process. And then we follow their children hmm. and they're securely attached. Yes. So when I 
heard this from the Marys and the Marys, the two Mary, Mary Maine and Mary Ainsworth, you know, I, as a therapist, I was saying, you know, something, everyone needs to hear about this because people are so scared, understandably, to go back and reflect on what happened to them. This was so painful back then. Why would they do it? This is why to do it. Yes. The research instrument, the adult attachment interview is the only instrument, according to Bessel van der Kolk, when we were teaching together recently, that assesses the difference between just, are you, were you traumatized or not versus have you resolved it? Mm. The AAI, the adult attachment interview, can assess this person has made sense of their trauma, the developmental trauma of abuse or neglect, and now they've come through with what's called a coherent narrative, which is the making sense process. Yeah. Essentially, they've integrated their brain yep. so they can have integrated relationships. They can have that part, presence, mm-hmm. attunement, resonance, and trust. Mm-hmm. And now what happens is, even though that was your childhood history, you've taken the time mm-hmm. and had the courage mm-hmm. To make sense of what happened, you free yourself up from what the studies also show, sadly, is that if someone did have a terrible experience in early childhood and doesn't take the time to make sense of it, unfortunately, the research shows they're likely to pass it on, mm-hmm. you know, transgenerational trauma. Mm-hmm. So there is this call to action from this empirical research finding that making sense of your life makes sense to do. If you're a frequent listener of the show, then you have probably heard me talk about IFS, Internal Family Systems Therapy. My 10th book is based on the principles of IFS and the therapeutic model. And the next guest here on today's episode is my mentor, my friend, my brother, Dr. Richard Schwartz. And he shares with us today what happens when we abandon and lock away our traumatic experiences. Hearing about all these parts from different clients, and I started doing the same practice with different with others, finding the same thing. I started as a system thinker, I tried to make a map, you know, try and figure out are there common distinctions across people. And you just identified some of them. So what became really clear right away was there were parts who before they were hurt were these happy go lucky inner children who when we have access to them, can give us so much joy and creativity and want to love other people and and just want to be playful. But once they get hurt, then they are no longer so much fun to be around because they're the most sensitive parts of us and they get hurt the most by these traumas. And they take on these very extreme burdens about our worth and things like that. And so once they get hurt, we tend to want to run away from them and lock them up in inner basements or abysses or caverns and kind of throw away the key, thinking we're just moving on from the memories, sensations, emotions, and beliefs that came into us from the trauma. And everybody around us is telling us to do that too. So as a result, we wind up locking up a lot of our juiciest parts just because they got hurt. So for the part, it's insult to the injury. The insult was the trauma, but the injury really is our abandoning them, locking them away. And then they become even more extreme inside. And so once you get a bunch of these, what I call exiles, like you were talking about with your inner child who is still stuck in the past in these, these scenes of what you went through. Once you get a part like that, then to make it in the world, you've got to have other what we call protectors. 
who leave their naturally valuable roles and take on roles to try and contain those exiles so that they don't take over and overwhelm you so that you don't have to feel those raw feelings all the time or and or protect them from being triggered mm. by something that would happen outside of you. So some of these protectors try to manage your life so that nothing triggering ever happens and they can become very controlling. Like you, you talked about one of those, I think. Oh, I had. Well, I guess we would say, and correct me if I'm wrong, I have a controller part that now unburdened and not in her extreme role has the yeah. ability to get a lot done and right. speak up when she needs to and take charge. And she's an awesome part. I mean, she's the part that wrote nine books in 10 years, right? Mm-hmm. That's a big part. I, I'm grateful for that part, but she's not extreme anymore and having meltdowns on calls with her team, right? So, right. or just constantly protecting herself and defensive. Such a beautiful example here. She's and putting that herself is what, on there for you to demystify this for everybody, yeah. Yeah, no, it's really great. So that's what we call a manager. So there's a set of parts who are trying to manage our life. Like I said, so you don't get triggered. They try to control everything, like you said. Uh, they often become inner critics. They can also be very, as you said, critical of other people. And they also are interested in keeping a certain distance from everybody so you don't get triggered. They, they might want to make you look perfect so nobody rejects you or, or criticizes you. They might try to make you perform at a perfect level. So they're really trying to do their best to keep these exiles from ever being triggered by any kind of negative comment, anything like that. So we all have a bunch of those. We all have exiles. And, you know, I have one that can keep me out of my body, so I don't really feel much a lot of the time dissociated. Or, so we have, there's a variety of common roles. Some people, more often in women, have a part that tries to take care of everybody and neglects themselves. I don't happen to have that one. I've, <laughs> we have the other one, which is kind of like tries to get everybody to take care of me. But anyway, these are common protector roles, manager roles. These would, in traditional therapy, would be called the defenses, for example. Yeah. And the world has a way of breaking through those defenses and still triggering your exiles. And when that happens, it's a big emergency inside. And there has to be another set of parts who immediately go into action to take you out to get you away from those flames of exiled emotion that are consuming you and make you higher than the flames or douse the flames with some substance like you were talking about right. or distract you somehow until it all burns itself out and it calms down in there again. Firefighters. So firefighters. So we all have a bunch of these firefighter parts who, when the manager's defenses don't work, are called into action to take us out of our bodies, out of, you know, out of our minds. Most of us have a hierarchy of them. So if the first one doesn't work, we'll go to the next level. If that mm-hmm. doesn't work, all the way up to suicide is the top firefighter activity it comes right. to that. So, yeah, that's the map I created to try and understand all this. My friends, I am super excited to share some wellness essentials that I recently discovered, and I am really, really excited to just add these to my daily wellness routine, people. 
Vimergy isn't just about supplements. It's about embracing vitality and making conscious choices for your well-being. One of their products that I really love is Vimergy Spirulina. This is the holistic energy infusion that goes beyond being just a superfood or that cool green thing that you put in your drink. With over 50% plant protein in each serving, it supports my energy levels throughout the day. And I have been doing this now for over a month and it has completely changed my energy, people. It's spirulina, which is just major for supporting a healthy immune and cardiovascular system, and it's sourced with meticulous care, ensuring purity and potency. And it's an essential part of the supplement routine. They also have milk thistle, which is so great for liver function and supporting your liver. It is potent. 20 to 1 extract crafted with organic glycerin and clean formulas. Vimergy is super committed to quality. They're USDA organic, gluten-free, non-GMO, kosher, vegan, and paleo-friendly with no fillers. It is just goodness. So my friends, if you are looking for a product that you can trust, I want to really recommend Vimergy today. I also really, really, really want to emphasize their micro-C immune power. This is a wellness essential. We have a thousand milligrams of naturally pH balanced vitamin C per serving. Ready to elevate your well being? Head over to vimergy.com. That's V I M E R G Y.com. Use code Gabby for an exclusive discount and make these Vimergy products your daily companions for wellness. You know, people, I like to look good. Who doesn't? I'm a 44-year-old woman. I just want to feel good. I want to look good. I want to feel my best. And even if I'm rushing out the door, I would just like to put on a little bit of makeup. Sometimes when I'm in the country, I don't wear that much makeup, but I just put a little touch on. And ladies, unless you've been living under a rock, I'm sure you've seen that Thrive Cosmetics is this viral tubing mascara. It is on the market and it is out there and people are obsessed with it. And it's in this little turquoise tube and you just throw that mascara on, but the coolest part is it just slides right off. Thrive Cosmetics is amazing. Their beauty products are certified 100% vegan and cruelty-free, made with clean, skin-loving ingredients, high performance, and trademark formulas. So if you don't want to have bad products on your face all day and you want to feel good, but you also want that lip plumping peptide gloss and you want that gorgeous looking mascara, luscious lips. You want all the things that make you feel good about yourself. These products are ultra hydrating. They're just going to keep your face, your lips, your eyes just moist and just refreshed all throughout the day. Then do not miss out on this product because you can feel good about what you're putting on your body and look good at the same time. Thrive Cosmetics is luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 20% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com slash Gabby. That's thrive, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S dot com slash Gabby for 20% off your first order. Let's close this amazing episode today with an incredible message from Gabor Mate. I love this conversation, and there really couldn't be more of a perfect way to wrap up this profound episode. Well, look, what strikes me is that I think you're both more spiritually gifted than I am, and also more spiritually disciplined than I am. We all have our strengths. That's not one of mine, you know? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, we can jump into that, actually, because what I share often is that there's the spiritual foundation that was such a strong through line before I found the therapeutic work. Yeah. And that foundation, in a way, it was almost like a protector part for a while. Yeah. Right. So it was like almost using my spiritual practice as a way of getting above the suffering 
They call that a spiritual bypass. That's right. That's right. And I can thank that part of me because that's all I could do at the time. I think that the integration of the two is what's mattered most. A lot of my listeners may not know this, but maybe they have been spiritually bypassing for a long time because that's all they knew how to do. That was another form of protection. Mm-hmm. And when we start to get more integrated in our therapeutic journey, the two can really coexist and support. And interestingly, I've personally been guided to many therapy practices that I believe are really spiritual practices. I can say that for Dick Schwartz. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So I'd love to hear where that intersects for you and what that means to you. Well, behind my left shoulder is a bookshelf and that's a whole shelf full of spiritual books, which testifies to my own spiritual poverty. Because <laughs> whenever I run into a crisis, I go out and buy a whole bunch more spiritual books, which then I don't necessarily read or read only very cursorily. I've not been somebody with a disciplined spiritual practice. And reading your book, Happy Days, I also don't have the faith that you have. I can only call it that. You know, you really do pray and you call to a higher part that really speaks to you. So for me, It's been the other way around. My journey started more with working on my traumas and the traumas of my patients and all that manifested in all kinds of illnesses of mind and body. And it was only later that I was guided to spiritual work. With my ADD personality, I've never been very disciplined about spiritual practice. So it's almost like spirituality is something that's descended upon me willy-nilly I've done a 10-day Vipassana meditation. I've done other retreats. It's not like I haven't, but in terms of daily practice, it's really been missing from my life. I haven't pursued it. And so it's more that I have to keep coming back to it when I find that all the emotional and therapeutic work just leaves something missing. And what's missing, of course, is the deep connection to the capital S self that Dick Schwartz would call it or the authentic self that I call it or other people call it. Now, some people use spirituality, on the other hand, as a way of not dealing with the emotional issues. They go into these wonderful states on the meditation cushion and they talk about God and heaven and the true self, but really they're quite disconnected from themselves because they haven't done the emotional work. So that's what's interesting in spiritual practice is that they're great spiritual leaders who've taught millions who've been exploiting and abusing their followers, which gets revealed years later. This happens, of course, not just in the Catholic Church, but several great Buddhist teachers that have been outed as serial exploiters. I don't want to name names. So here are these people who have genuinely reached deep states of spiritual awareness and realization, but have not worked out their traumas, and therefore they inflict their traumas. They use their power and their influence to inflict their traumas on other people and from my point of view not that there needs to be a competition but if somebody wants to get whole i say do the emotional work first Mm -hmm. and that's what i've been up to not to denigrate or dismiss the other because i think we're not complete if you just go one way or the other but i think the bigger danger here is that people get spiritual beliefs and practices and realizations and they leave their traumatized selves essentially untouched and they're not even aware of it. So I think that's the bigger danger here. Completely agree. We have this shared language around different parts. The 
compassion I can see for myself and the decade of spiritual bypassing is that I wasn't quite safe enough yet to even remember my trauma. My trauma was dissociated trauma. And the foundation of my spiritual practice actually helped me create that safety to remember. Mm -hmm. Now, upon remembering and doing the deeper work, I couldn't agree with you more. I think that deeper work is the true healing. And I thank my spiritual practice for helping me get there, but I couldn't sustain that you know, throw yourself against the wall and then peel yourself off the wall and then pick yourself up back again with your spiritual practice. That wasn't sustainable for me. And so the deeper work is the greatest spiritual practice of my life. If you made it to the end of this episode, that means you're truly committed to miracles. I'm really proud of you. If you want to get more Gabby, tune in every Monday for a new episode. Make sure to subscribe so you don't miss any of the guidance or special bonus episodes. Your experience of this show means a lot to me. So I really want to welcome you to leave an honest review. And you can follow me on social media at Gabby Bernstein. And if you want to get in on the action, sign up for a chance to be Dear Gabby live at DearGabby.com. See you next week. Please note that this episode may contain paid endorsements and advertisements for products and services. Individuals on the show may have a direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to in this episode.